Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my amazing co-host, Pagan Wolf. How you doing, Pagan? I'm pretty good. How about you? I am very excited. I mean, you can probably hear it. Like, I, I even told myself <laughs> I'm going to talk slower for this podcast and be nice and relaxed on our paranormal one. But it's no, hard. <laughs> it's hard. Because this week, we are continuing our journey across the U.S., and this time we're going from Maine, where we hit it last week, and we're going to make our way down to New Hampshire, tackle two, at least, well, I want to say we're at least going to get through one of these. We're going to try and get them both in, but if this is crazy, this is our first huge deep dive, we're going to be looking at the Betty and Barney Hill incident that happened in New Hampshire, first abduction case that was documented in the U.S., and then we're going to try to move on in time to the Exeter incident, which also happened in New Hampshire, about four years later, and I knew nothing about this. I knew nothing from the name. At least Betty and Barney Hill, I had an idea. So were you familiar with either of these going in, Pagan? I was not. Not even remotely. <laughs> well, chat, I throw the question back at you. As, as a reminder, we're doing this over here on Twitch.tv Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. UK Time. Chat, you let us know if you've heard about these stories. Before we dive into them, though, let's do a very, very quick recap. I know... Right off the top, we've got a five-star review to shout out from iTunes. We got Mandy over there saying, nice podcast covering paranormal topics. The show doesn't feel overly scripted, and the two hosts keep the conversation interesting with ease. Looking forward to more episodes. Mandy, you know why that is? Because we don't use a script at all. <laughs> we just fly by the seat of our pants. It's true, we don't. We have notes of our research, but we don't script anything. This is right off the cuff every week. And Mandy, thank you so much for that five-star review. You are an amazing soul, and we love you for it. Yeah, I second that. And that is it. Like I just said, you know, we're live on Twitch when we're doing this, so you guys have even the chance to interact and interject in the show. We try not to sit here and read all of chat the entire time, but as you guys are popping things in there that are related to this, we would love to dive in there, bring it up, and discuss. So, Pagan, you've been running the Chaos and Shadow Twitter account, the Chaos and Shadow Instagram account. How are we doing mm -hmm. over there? People dropping by and dropping follows? Yeah, definitely. We've actually, we haven't gone up as dramatically as we did last week, but we did gain some new ones Heck in the yeah. last couple of days. And it's so great that we're seeing so many other paranormal groups actually reach out to us, which is really cool. And hopefully we'll get to work with them in the future. Depending on our situation, depending on how COVID looks and everything else, we'd love to hear their stories and vice versa. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where our socials go from here. I agree. And like you said, the paranormal groups out there have been amazing. So thank you to everyone that's leaving five-star reviews. We'll try our best to shout those out. Thank you to the people that are sharing the show with their friends. We were actually looking into some behind-the-scenes podcast stuff, and word of mouth is still like, it's the second best way people find podcasts. So literally taking the show, sharing it with someone else that you know that likes the paranormal does us a huge favor. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. I'm trying to think what else do we want to hit in here. I was going to say Patreon. Yeah. You and I <laughs> worked our butts off on the Patreon this last week, and we have a ton of free content up there for people because we know how things are, especially when you're starting out an early Patreon. People don't know what they're signing up for. So you and I got up audio episodes of ourselves, like introducing a show, why we're into it. You did a vault episode or a vault summary from last week. Do you want to talk about what that is quickly? The vault episode, it has it has everything that we talked about within the show. Yeah. Some of the stuff that we researched, we're going to leave kind of spoiler free, essentially, oh. because we want to keep that for later episodes. We want to keep that for more Patreon stuff. And we might even do some bonus Spotify and iTunes episodes Ooh. with that kind of content. So... If you guys are interested in that and you want to know more, you can check out the Patreon. The Patreon stuff is free. Those vault notes right now are free on Patreon. Going forward, they will be under a subscribe tier. But no, we wanted to give you guys a 100% taste test of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very right. I, I was almost going to say, wait, that's wrong. But we'd switched it all. And, and I like how it works. So, yeah, you subscribe that first tier. You get a bonus episode that's just for patrons. You get that vault access. Mm -hmm. Everyone can go check out in the future. I just do these link summaries now. I just started one, posted one today. If you guys want to check it out. Tons of breaking news that we're not going to get to cover in this episode. But go look them up there. New York Times, two posts on UFOs in the last week. We got Popular Mechanics, Scientific American. 
Then all of those did did UFO pieces. I'm trying to think there's some others in there as well. I caught some cool ones on cryptids, some ghost stuff. And finally, I picked a conspiracy theory that Rolling Stone had put out there from a podcast that goes into detail about how the CIA possibly influenced Cold War era music and how some of that might have been leaked to your favorite artists from the government. So are you listening Ooh, to... I want to read I that. I know, <laughs> I know. Whole podcast, so you can go check that out. It's up on Patreon that you can go find that link. It's all free. Go go look at that. That's some cool stuff. So I hope us bringing all this information to you will be cool. In addition, I don't know if we even mentioned this. We probably did, but I did an in-depth article last week, too, on the Pamula, which is someone from our main expedition, you know, learning mm-hmm. about that. So without further ado... I say let's dive right into this episode. What do you think, Pagan? Should we hit up Betty and Barney Hill? Yes, I want to know. <laughs> Honestly, I want to know more about this couple. I want to know more about what happened to them because their case is so unique and it's just so expansive compared to the others that if you guys, going back a little bit to the Patreon thing, if you actually listen to that, I talk about how much I want to know more about everything we talk about because I need to know why it works the way that it works and why it can't be explained. And this is a ideal case of why it cannot be explained and why I want to know more. And there's some interesting correlations that are going to link it in upcoming episodes as well. So let's dive in. I want to hear more about this. Okay. So again, Betty and Barney Hill, first couple in the U.S. or first, well, we'll say couple in this case. There was an abduction noted before the Hills. Some of you may know this story, but there was a, I believe it's a Brazilian farmer that was abducted. And apparently that story did make its way into the U.S. I don't have a date on that one, so I apologize. But there is some people out there, I just learned this today, that say maybe that influenced the Hills. It could have you know, spread some of the the skepticism about it. But as far as we know, this is a couple who was not interested in aliens in any way, shape, or form before this abduction. The year is 1961, and this takes place in September. Things that are very important, considering especially the time in the U.S. So this was an interracial couple living in New Hampshire, and that is... Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, this is the 60s. I don't remember when did Star Trek do the the, or interracial kiss on TV. Like this was the hot thing for people to be upset about. 70s? Maybe. 70s? Don't quote me on that. That, Don't quote me on that. But I'm thinking it was 70s. Maybe. 60s, 70s windows, the best I can remember. So to put that in people's minds, you know, this is a couple who likely would not have wanted to draw any attention to themselves just out of pure prejudice and bigotry, right? They're trying to fly under the radar. This gets used against them in the future because, well, like it always does, but people claim, oh, maybe it was just the stress of them being in this interracial couple and having racism and all that, and it made them go off the rails and, you know, start fantasizing. This was their stressed brain projecting itself. But as you see here, we're going to get into this. It, they, so they sound, ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds like they had a very happy life there in New Hampshire, too, from, from accounts. Betty Hill goes on to being this very well-known ufologist person that I, I can't remember when she passed. I didn't dig that up. But she passed not too terribly long ago, and she spent her whole life working on this. So she goes on to talk about how that wasn't a case. But anyway, getting me back on the path before I give you guys too much supplementary. So again, not trying to prove aliens. And again, first first notable abduction in the U.S. So chat's also saying that they think that interracial kiss happened between 64 and 67, which sounds about right. So again, skip back. It's 1961. It's September. Betty and Barney Hill, they are driving from their home in about Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They're going up to Canada. They apparently were stopping at a couple different places. I heard some sources say they were going to Niagara Falls. I heard Montreal. And I heard a couple different reasons for the trip. Some say that Barney had a a stomach ulcer that was causing him to go up that way anyway and get treated in Canada for it. But people cast some doubt on why they even did the trip to begin with, saying, guys, why did you do this? Their answer was, we don't really know. It's spontaneous. Barely had any money to our names at the time. This is, again, before they had banks that could send their money around. So I guess it was a Saturday they took off on their trip, meaning they couldn't even go to the bank to, to to get the money out at the time. They talk about having 
what I think would be about 300 USD to their name at the time. So like, and that's inflating for our time. So about $300 going on this road trip over the border with a lot less technology to get their international banking done. Some people are like, that's strange. And again, they don't seem too opposed to that concept. Pagan, any questions, by the way? Stop me along the way here. I mean, well, honestly, like the trip to Canada and that they're unable to kind of reason as to why they were going. I'm presuming that they were asked after the fact of all of this incident, correct? Yeah. And I admit, you know, in us doing our preliminaries, like I, I need to get my hands on firsthand information as, as much as we can. And it is a cool thing about Betty because I believe it's the University of New Hampshire actually has so much of her life just documented away, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Like they have letters, outfits, like all kinds of stuff. They just have her life basically archived. So there's so much information you can get, but I couldn't see a nice way to pull it in any sort of time frame that we're looking at. But yeah, it, it's funny how these stories do get obscured through word of mouth. You know, one podcaster tells a story, one website interprets the story, you know, and then it's so on and so forth. So telephone game, pardon me if I get any of the minor facts in this a little messy. That's totally okay. Well, I was going to make the correlation of if they were unable to quote unquote say why they were going to Canada, perhaps after the abduction, that maybe those memories were taken from them. Wow, you're getting into something big there. I mean, that that's just something that kind of popped yeah. in my brain. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe just they, they couldn't honestly remember why they were going to Canada. Oh, let's talk about it. Okay, so last thing I'll set up for you guys is to say how well, like th- this is something I noticed a lot of people getting into, how reliable these witnesses are. So Betty has a, she's a social worker. She has a degree from the University of New Hampshire, a master's degree. They are both very active in civil rights and everything like that. Barney's on board as an officer with the local NAACP chapter. He is a postal worker working really hard hours. I've heard that he was actually going to try and become an engineer and was told to do the color of his skin. He couldn't do it. So he worked his butt off doing this very tireless, thankless job in many ways. And and again, everything that I read just said how real these witnesses were, including people that interviewed, I believe, from the government that went out there said very rational, very normal people. They don't even want to play up like the ufology side of it. They're not in it for the fame was was the takeaway. So, again, we're looking at two witnesses that seem to be very, very, very put together. I would say that also with what Mm -hmm. you were saying is, you know, very put together, very normal kind of people, and they didn't want to sensationalize Mm -hmm. the UFO stuff. I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying is they really did want to fly under the radar. They didn't want to make a big deal about this because it's going to draw attention to them and drawing attention to them is going to draw attention to the fact that they are an interracial couple in the early 60s. True which is just the cards are kind of stacked against them at that point, unfortunately. And it sucks that it had to be that way. You know, I'm glad that we've kind of moved past that a little bit in modern times, but still it's one of those things that it's just a sad state of affairs that they didn't want to say, hey, this happened. This was a big deal. And they're like, no, here, this happened, but we're not going to talk about it. Like, not really. Yeah, Betty goes on later to talk about how fame found her and Barney. And and you'll see later on, Barney especially, I, I'm going to mm-hmm. go out on a limb and say, again, I've heard this through a lot of different podcasts and stuff. Everyone implies how, I mean, you figure the time period. You can see them in the picture on the screen. This is when men and women acted a very specific way. You can see how straight back he is for his photo and his nice suit. Like they were saying, this is a guy who, again, like you said, cards are completely stacked against him. He's fighting up against extreme prejudice and overt racism that was just 100% part of the structure at the time. And, you know, here he is working to just own and have a good life with his good wife and just trying to be part of it. And and here he is getting sick with an ulcer and like now all this news is hit. And so people were saying he really didn't want to sensationalize. He wanted to fly under the radar. Betty takes it a little bit different later on, but let's get into, into some of the exciting stuff of why. So again, we got them driving back from Montreal. They are hitting the White Mountains area in about New Hampshire, about 10.30 p.m., I believe, 10, 10 p.m., 
Betty sees a light in the sky that she claims almost looks like a falling star. I've heard in some ways it kind of floats on the breeze. It kind of bounces back up a little bit. It doesn't just fall. If for anyone that's seen a falling star, they're cool. They streak out across the sky, but they definitely don't go backwards, forwards, up, down, left, right, and float like a leaf. But this one apparently did. So they get out of their car along the side of the road and get the binoculars. Barney is going to the trunk. He wants to get a gun because, well, bear country is one of the biggest. And what the heck are you actually seeing there Mm -hmm. in the sky? I mean, what is this object? So they see the craft. Betty sees it pass in front of the moon, apparently multicolored and it's flashing. Barney actually believes they're being buzzed by the government. He calls it, a, I believe, a Piper Cub as the, as the plane he thinks is up there. And, and there's a tons of detail. There's so many transcripts on this stuff. But anyway, he's thinking they're getting harassed by the government at the time. They're not sure. He apparently walks out into the field with binoculars at some point, and he's looking up at this craft, and what they say in in all the stories is he can see a ring of windows, and there's people in there looking back at him. Uh, About five feet tall. He says that some of them are dressed in blue uniforms. We've got a leader who's dressed in like this black leather motorcycle jacket looking thing with like almost like a World War II military cap style on with a brim. It's a very strange thing. He also talks about how the leader is looking him in the eyes. We get the vibe of a telekinetic connection between the two where he thinks the leader's talking to him. But overall, it's just weird. And then they wake up two hours later, 35 miles south of where they were. And they realize, what actually happened to us in that time? Because how did we see this UFO and we're driving two hours away and we didn't talk at all during the trip about it? We just all of a Mm -hmm. sudden kind of consciously woke up, I guess. Like, so they, they have a memory of driving, but just... Nothing interesting in it, which to me gives the vibe of like a filled in memory sort of thing. Like it just feels like autopilot. And then they kind of like click with it again two hours later and they say, what just happened? Like, how did we we just saw a thing and what blah, blah. But they didn't really remember that much, at least not until later. So I'll pass this to you in a second, Peggy, so we can decompress here. But let's let's get them into the house because they get in there and memories are a little spotty of what happened. Betty's uncomfortable about the luggage they had with them. She thinks that it might have been infected or now be permeating radiation. So she's worried about that. I guess they go home and sleep it off. She starts having these extremely vivid dreams of an abduction case. And now I toss it to you, Pagan. Oh, my. Wow, that is a lot to decompress. But I will say one thing. Everything that they talk about really jives with UFO lore. There's other cases that we're going to get into that from other states, which I'll just briefly kind of connect them, that people have lost time. People have the vivid memories. They end up kind of being abducted, going into this light or whatever it may be. And they're miles away from where they originally were. So it's one of those things that it's just super fascinating that when you talk to abductees of any sort, Mm -hmm. majority of them all say very similar stories. Now, don't get me wrong. You have your wild, crazy ones that that, that's okay. You're, You're just a little crazy, but it's fine. But the ones that are true, what I would call true abductees, all of the stories kind of jive. They all are very similar. So I would say, you know, first glance, if I was just reading this, that their story probably is legit. I don't know. I I love the story. And it's like, oh, man, I wish that it wasn't back in the 60s. I wish it was like 2019 that this happened. So I could, you know, go there and be like, hey, can can I talk to you? I want to I want to hear your story in person. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, that's we can't, unfortunately. We can. We are blessed with such a huge amount of information. So on the screen right now, we're going to get into this. I'm now showing off on Twitch and we'll try and get this into this sort of article, too, that this is how the art. This is how the UFO looked. They actually drew out an example of it here. I believe this is Barney's drawing. 
so in this one, you can see the little people behind a window. He talks about red lights on the side. And as it started descending, you can see these lights kind of go out in the side. They talk about them kind of like wings that protruded as it got closer. But now that we're home in the house, this is where things actually get weirder. You'd think that seeing the UFO is the strange part, but no, it's actually the aftermath because as they're starting to get rested up, like I said, you know, these, these memories are coming back to Betty. She's having these terribly vivid dreams of making her way onto a craft. One of the things she does that a lot of people call out, she got in touch with her sister who lived next to, and I believe is an astrophysicist, or just a physicist, I apologize, next door. And he ends up telling them, I guess there's spots on the car. Couldn't find tons of details on this, but there's spots on their car. And he tells them to take a compass out and put a compass over these spots. And I guess it just starts spinning wildly whenever that happens. Oh, that's so X-Files. Right? They move it to other spots and it doesn't happen. So that's a thing. Now, we've also got her dress. The dress that she was wearing that night was in great condition when the night started, so she claims. But afterwards, we have it torn along some lines, especially next to the zipper, as if people didn't understand how to take the dress off and didn't know how to use a zipper. They've also got some weird powders on it. I don't know the validity of these labs, but they say that five labs have tested the powder found on her dress, this pink powder, and five labs do not know what that powder is to this date. I want to emphasize that because as a guy that wants to believe, I I definitely want to believe that. Five labs, that sounds impressive, but I also don't know what the the validity of them, you know, is this, are these real labs? Are these local people just making a stain? I don't know. It's the 60s though. This was not as big as it is now. In all honesty, like, again, all of it matches with that lore. Anytime you hear of an abductee case, you hear about the nightmares, you hear about, or I, I should say very vivid dreams, not necessarily mm-hmm. nightmares. Some call them nightmares. But you hear about the strange issues with clothing. Like, some people will state, like, if you're wearing a button-down shirt, like, their shirt is not properly buttoned again. Oh. Like, it's misbuttoned. And so it's very strange. And it gets a little kind of that creepy, you know, stranger danger vibe at that moment. But at the same time, the compass on those spots, like, they talk about the spots where you can put it, that compass is spots where there's high amounts of quote-unquote radiation. But sometimes they will take the radiation testers and there will not be Ooh, that's interesting so it's very interesting so some people say that the areas are hit with lasers Mm -hmm. some people say that it's hit with lights it's hit with radiation and it's interesting to note that all of this area that this took place Mm -hmm. in also has high concentrations of iron, has high concentrations of nitrates, which are all, again, very suspect with the UFO lore. Everything happens with that. Anytime there is a abductee case or a lot of UFO activity or even a lot of paranormal activity, there's a lot of nitrate activity. There's a lot of seabed activity. All of these things that are found naturally occurring in geological surveys that are done by the government. So... It's just, oh, it's so fascinating. It really is. Nitrate's going to pull up here again in a little bit. So one of the things that they do is actually make a a Blue Book report here. They call into Pease Air Force Base, who there's a group in there called NICAP that gets in in touch with them. NICAP is, I don't admit to know too much of the difference other than it was Blue Book adjacent. I admit that I'm learning the UFO phenomenon sort of lore as we're, as we're diving into the show more and more. I've always been exposed to it, but the names are things that I haven't committed to memory, like J. Allen Hynek and like all these people who are, are big names in it, like Stanton Friedman. There's all kinds of people, and NICAP's involved with some of them. Again, just think of it as a blue book adjacent sort of agency. And so, and so I believe it's the Air Force at the time. So Pease Air Force Base, they do end up having a NICAP interview where they're asked if they have nitrate in the car. And interestingly enough, they did. They had a bag of fertilizer that they were driving over the Canadian border with. So they maybe were their own little accidental micro (laughs) nitrate farm just running around. You know, and maybe the signal of the nitrates in the car plus the natural nitrates coming from the ground, maybe that's why the aliens decided to stop them and be like, hey... Pick them up. They have nitrates on them. We need to know why. And I don't know. I'm trying to understand 
alien thinking, which may be far more advanced than human thinking, but whatever it may be, I just want to know why y'all stop them. Just tell us. Then let's get into the hypno regression because let's get into that and why they don't understand us and vice versa. So let's see. Anything else I wanted to say? I guess some other takeaways. The binocular strap had been severed. That's a big takeaway, too. I mentioned the binoculars out there. They were looking at the craft and actually seeing it close Mm -hmm. up, which is interesting, too, because, you know, these are witnesses that if we are to believe them, which I personally do, they didn't get like a blurry phone image in that way. They actually had binoculars to see it. So it's not like it was a hot air balloon. No, I mean, again, believing them for a second, they're saying we looked at this thing through binoculars, saw people through the windows, and then, well, here we go. So as Betty's dreams are getting worse and Barney's ulcer is getting worse, they decide to go about medical hypnosis. And this is where some people have some really strong opinions on this case. The name for it is, it is regression hypnosis. That's the one I wanted to call out. Regression hypnosis, which Betty even goes to speak out about in a different way later on. She will go on to differentiate and say that hers was done in a professional medical setting. This was not done to prove that UFOs existed. It sounds to me like they got a very agnostic doctor who was doing this out of pure medical interest that was not trying to validate UFOs, but in fact, just work through their issues to get them sorted. You know, they this guy was just, we're going to play through this. Whatever you believe is what you believe, but we're going to try and unblock what we can unblock so that you can get some actual sleep and all this other stuff. Right. This is where it gets wild. These sessions were done separately, so their stories didn't get too intertwined. And if we were to trust hypnosis for a second, I heard that they were actually hypnotized to forget this information again after the session ended so that they weren't going home and talking about it. Like we said earlier, though, it did not sound like they were eager to talk about these stories anyway, to the point of Barney Mm -hmm. getting kind of annoyed having to go over this again and again and again because he doesn't want to obsess over something he yeah it doesn't want him to get into more trouble doesn't want his name out there doesn't want to be associated as the crazy black man in this case you know he's already worried for legitimate reasons now it's like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be labeled as a ufo abductee great so we get into this and does it, it just explodes this is where people go wild with it so we're back in the car then that night. They see these people. We talk about Barney getting to see people through the window, but then apparently they run back to the car, get inside, and they they try, I, I guess, to leave. When the craft buzzes over them and the car basically starts to get charged with energy, and so do they. There's a talk about beeping, like Morse code being sent through in a way. They feel like that's happening. Neither of them know Morse code, but they talk about that kind of just electric charge, which I guess really went far to hypnotize Barney, because he just, I don't know. Betty claims that he is in a trance. She says he is zombie-like. Men approach the car. I, I guess I should also throw in, I couldn't tell exactly when this happened, but some of the things they did remember were a roadblock, driving off of the road, and men coming up to the car. So those things are said, but I don't know exactly where that came out. It should also be noted that these these dreams and stuff were not coming in order. So again, this story is very mismatched out there, very, very, very disassociated in parts. But anyway, so we got Barney, who's completely zonked. Betty's in the car. She sees these guys come up. She's trying to fight them off as they open the door. She says that she was trying to open it. The aliens open it for her. They get both of them out of the car, and they start making their way further through the woods to this craft. Later on, Barney goes and says that his shoes are terribly scuffed to the point of destroying these, again, very, very to the nine sort of dresser in these photos here. So for him to have these scuffed shoes out of character, and they're scuffed on the top, like he was drug with his, you know, his toes, like his toenails kind of dragging, dragging off the, the ground, scraping up that front of the shoe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. How you doing, Peggy? Are you following along? <laughs> I, I'm totally following along. Like, I'm also reading the notes at the same time. I think it's also interesting to note that in the notes, it states that Barney tries to restart the car, but it won't start up. This is also, again, very accurate with UFO lore. UFO lore basically states that when you hit one of these hot spots or a UFO goes over, cars will just suddenly stop. They'll just die. They'll just die out of nowhere. 
And then when the incident is over, the car either comes back to life, but everything is quote unquote working properly. But that's when a lot of people look at like the dash clocks and stuff like that. And they'll see that time has lapsed. Indeed. And it feels like it was one or two seconds that went by, but it'll be minutes or hours. Yeah. So it's just, oh man, it's so fascinating. And oh, I love it so much. So chat, <laughs> after they're drugged through the woods, do we all think this gets better? It gets, it's fine, right? The aliens have them up for tea time and everyone's happy. It's good. No, no. it doesn't get fine. It never, it never gets, gets fine. Gets fine. <laughs> well, it actually doesn't sound awful. So they are taken on board the craft And again, we've got these aliens that look semi-humanoid. There's all kinds of different artwork out there about them. But as I've heard, they look humanoid, but they're not exactly there. They didn't totally nail what it is to be humans. Apparently, they had matching blue uniforms. And again, even my note here says, Mm -hmm. it's like the aliens. I think I got this from last podcast on the left out there because Henry Zabrowski is a very mental UFO man. We'll have to talk about that sometime, the difference between the mental UFOs and the nuts and bolts physical ones, but he's very much a mental and mm-hmm. I, I got kind of from that the idea that are the aliens actually taking just images of what they think we are and that's how they're projecting themselves into our mind so that we're seeing something that we can rationalize, can understand because we do this all the time, right? We do talk about this all the time with shadow people and stuff like that too mm-hmm. where is that just a shadow and your brain has attributed human characteristics to it. Unfortunately for us as researchers, that's probably 90% of the time. But, you know, we realize later, oh, yeah, it was just a coat rack with a, you know, a funny hat on. And then sometimes it might not be. But anyway, there's a lot of ideas. And this is why we take evidence, because that evidence is where it backs it up and says, no, you were crazy in that moment. It was actually a coat rack. Or, no, you were not crazy. It was a shadow person or an apparition or an alien or whatever. Yes. So these aliens get them on the craft and they immediately separate the two. I've heard a lot of anecdotal stuff about, you know, they ask, why are we being separated? And they're like, well, it'll just take too long if we're going to examine both of you at once. So they take them to their separate rooms, both of which are examined pretty invasively. Betty talks about it being a pretty typical exam, very interested in the joints and other parts of the body that are really... I guess what you might find interesting as a human. The worst, though, for Betty, and you can hear this. By the way, I should have mentioned, I may have mentioned that all of their hypnosis things are completely recorded. I don't know where you find audio of Mm -hmm. that. I know a lot of podcasts got their hands on it, but I couldn't find it in any of my search. University of New Hampshire, I was thinking we might have to put in something to pull some of the files at some point. They are vivid and violent and wild, like screaming and yelling. And it is it is a very passionate thing. For Betty, the worst part is that she gets a very a pregnancy test. Some people call it archaic and other people call it advanced. So basically, this massive needle is shoved in her navel, which causes her an immense amount of pain, to which yeah. she says the leader of the aliens waves his hand over her face and she does not feel pain anymore. At that time, you know, that made that pain go away. So don't know what that sort of... It sounds like there's a lot of telepathy going on with these guys through the window of the craft, being able to talk to them. A lot of it said it's through the mind. Their lips aren't actually moving. A very psychic connection is what I'm getting out of this, Pagan. Yeah. And, that you know, that's one of those things that Stark in our chat here said that basically this incident wrote the book on UFO lore. I would say yes and no. Because there, there's stuff that dates back, you know, also pre to this, but this is probably the biggest case on record at that time period without having to, like, jump deeper into something. But there are other cases prior to this. But anyway, not the point. The point being is that the the stuff that they do, they, oh, it sounds awful. It sounds absolutely atrocious. And I feel so bad for her. You know, as being a wonderful woman that I am, I, you know, having a pregnancy test is, you know, if that was how it was done back in the day where they stuck a needle in your navel, I would never want to have kids ever at that point because having somebody touch your navel is weird enough. But if you have a needle go in that, oh my 
God. The reason I Poor claim thing. it could be archaic or advanced is I heard a lot of people referring to it as an archaic way. Like, this is not an accurate way to do that. But then I heard, on the other hand, this process comes out before we have, like, a in utero style way of taking things from the baby directly. So like, I guess that came in later was this, this way of testing the baby's health where you do somehow insert something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's through the navel in this case, but is it like an amio? I don't know. No. Well, I don't think that's the name they used for it. And I don't want to get into this because I'll get us so derailed. But anyway, point is some people say it's futuristic because the tech didn't even exist then for us to do it in the U S. So I don't know. Barney is in his other room getting other tests done. He has some sort of cup put over his genitals to which they apparently extract a semen sample. And this comes back later as a a larger thing because apparently he gets these warts that form in that area being very uncomfortable and being very untreatable, which got used against him, unfortunately, where he was then claimed to be a sexual deviant. Funny how things like that work, isn't it? Once they damn you once, they get you twice. Yeah, so basically just used to discredit him. But I guess overall, you know, it's this mixed bag where these aliens seemed both, well, I guess maybe impartial. They wanted it. They're running these tests regardless. They're just going to do it. It's you get hurt from it. Oh, well, we'll make the pain go away. Betty at a point asked to see some sort of Something that she can take home. Because these aliens kind of act, I guess maybe a nice way to say it would be they they act like maybe like an older brother or sister that's kind of playing you. Which is like, they're just appeasing. Somebody's like, well, I want to take something back so that I can prove that this really, really did happen. You know, she she seems like a really rational person. They say, okay, you can have this mm-hmm. book which she says has all these symbols on it and stuff and very glossy pages. And she's going to keep that. She's going to take that home, but it later gets taken from her, so she can't. And that's kind of maybe where we should move next is kind of leaving out there, I guess, other things to say. They did put a tube up uh, poor Barney's butt, so he got a little anus poking there and also counted his vertebrae. So that was something, you know, going into it. They are interested in the joints, the vertebrae. I guess they also had asked Betty about aging and how that works to the point that they almost got into like a disagreement the alien did not understand what it meant that people would get old she's like he can speak english to some degree but they don't seem to totally understand the word so explaining aging to them explaining time explain that people break down as they get older that their bodies become less than they didn't understand that Hmm. concept which is also very interesting because Peggy, you and I have talked about them being out of time space at points. Like they don't share our same clock. Right. And, you know, that that really does go back to, you know, the alternate dimensions kind of thing and everything else that we've talked about in the past. But at the same time, it's perhaps, you know, it's interesting that, you know, she says that they can somewhat speak English. And we talked about how the projection of aliens comes out of a mental thing. Like, they look at us, and they kind of look in our minds, and they're like, oh, this is what people are supposed Mm -hmm. to look like. Let's look like this. Let's talk like this. This is their native language. Let's mimic it. And I say mimic because that's one of those things of, They can speak the words, they can say these things, but they won't actually have a true grasp of it. So that being said, that could explain why they didn't really understand aging. And if they're from an area or a time period or a dimension, whatever you want to call it, where they don't really have a concept of time and they don't really have a concept of a linear kind of time frame like we do here, that's a very interesting thing that we just, I don't know. There's so much that I wish that I could ask them these questions and be like, did they not understand this? What, you know, tell me in person, like, what happened? Do you remember this? And perhaps maybe they don't, you know? And the interesting thing is the fact that the aliens looked at them not necessarily in a we've come to harm you kind of way. So one thing is they show her a star map, which is where the ideas of them being out of our time-space reality really crumble within its own formal canon, which is they show her a star map, which has been tracked down. They 
someone did the work. Betty basically redrew this map as a kind of automatic writing part of her hypnosis type of thing. Like she just did this and, and drew up a really crude version of the map that the aliens show her. But the big thing is it's got these strong red lines to it with some dotted lines. They say that they're like traitors, I guess. Like I get the vibe these aliens are not really authorized to do what they're doing, but maybe they also have like an encounter protocol where they do pick people up and just start probing their butts. And I say it like this because in this picture that I'm showing now, you can go look it up. It's the Zeta Reticuli, Zeta 2 Reticuli map. Sorry, let me say Zeta 2 because Zeta 1's on there. Zeta 2 Reticuli is apparently where they're from. This map was reconstructed by her doing her automatic writing, that is Betty, and then other people along the way, some scientists actually did some mapping and all of that and and, and figured out which constellation and all that it really relates to. So apparently we're on their common trade route thing because the dot. The, the dotted lines are the uncommon or the not so charted. So I don't know. Maybe they were just coming by to pick us up. But I hear that when that conversation about the age broke down or the aging, I guess Betty throws out the idea, hey, well, I could get you in touch with people that can help you with this. I can put you in touch with scientists that speak better about these things. To which the alien said, we don't actually have the authorization to make that sort of thing. But if we come back through your neighborhood in the future, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll hit you up. So. <laughs> Like, hey, we'll yeah, look you right. up. <laughs> she goes, but but how are you going to find me? And they go, well, we'll look you up. We'll figure it out. We'll get you. She's <laughs> like, okay. That's just super fascinating that, you know, the aliens are just like, oh, hey, yeah, we'll get back in touch with you. It's like, how will you know? You just found me on the side of the road. Like, how will you? Never mind. You're aliens and you're far more advanced than me. Apparently, you just know. Okay, we're just going to go yeah. with that. <laughs> they don't know about color, though. I'll tell you that. They don't know. They, she also couldn't relate to them about the concepts of color. So that was a weird one. And it kind of brings us to the the end of the, the huge aspects of the case. And I bring it to a little bit of its own natural conclusion here because there is so much content on this case i mean we're 40 we're 50 minutes into the show and we have not touched Mm -hmm. that exeter case so if it's okay with you pagan and chat i say we shelf that for a future piece of content because exeter we will do it another exeter is fascinating it happens four years after this event in new hampshire in the month of september which is weird because they both link up for being in four years of each other, they both link up as being September. It's weird. Like, it's, it's. I don't know. I'd love to get into that one. That one has some strong documentation from police officers on the scene. Like, it, Exeter is a big one, so I don't want to, like, try and fit it into a five-minute explanation or anything. So, let's get into that later. We're just not going to be able, I was going to say, we're so no. not going to be able to fit that so in let's, five Let's kind of decompress here while we have a little bit of time to talk about this, because... okay. So we, we've talked it through. Betty and Barney obviously didn't want to share this. They go through this arduous hypnosis with both of them screaming and yelling, sounding terribly uncomfortable as they're being hypnotized. What honestly sounds like torture at points when you're listening to it back. So again, I wouldn't, I'd maybe don't, if you find those listening, don't, don't listen to them around small kids or in an office place because it's going to be a lot of, ah, my navel, ah, like it's, it's intense. So careful. What do you think, Peg? And this is wild. This is... It is wild. And it, like I said, I wish that it didn't happen in the 60s. I wish that it happened closer <laughs> to now because I would really love to talk to them. Yeah. You know, even if it was just a simple phone call conversation, I would still love to, you know, sit down with them and be like, hey, tell me your story. I want to hear it firsthand. I don't want to hear, you know, the news article of this or the government report of this and, you know, everything in between. And... It's very interesting that these were quote unquote nice aliens because that's kind of where aliens come into play. It's what do they want? Why are you here? Are you here to hurt Mm -hmm. us? And I don't know if they actually are. I think it's kind of like when humans discover new species on the planet, we want to know what makes it tick. We want to know what the, you know, skeletal looks like. We want to know how the musculature works. We want to know how the breeding patterns work. We just want to know more about it. So that way, A, we can quote unquote protect it. We're not good at protecting species, but we try. But at the same time, it would be, I guess it would be similar that if we were the aliens and we found them first. We would probably do the same kind of probing before we release them back to the wild. 
So I don't know. It's I want to meet them both. I want to I want to see I want to sit down with the aliens and be like, tell me about your life story because I need to know what the hell's going on here. And the other thing is, I also want to sit down with the hills and be like, can you tell me what happened in your words, not someone else's? And hypnosis is great, but you know, if they did actually hypnotize them to delete the memories after the fact, if they actually did that, that's, in my opinion, that's kind of fucked up. Like, you know, their their memories, they, I think that they should be allowed to remember them. And a little bit more to kind of like how I said they feel like an older brother or sister manipulating them a bit. They definitely seem to have led mm-hmm. them on in giving Betty... She expresses how upset she was that they lied to her, basically saying, here you go. I guess another way would be like a doctor treating a very young kid like, hey, come on in. It's all fine. These aren't going to be horrible procedures that make you uncomfortable and cry to your mom. Like they lure you in. They give you like a, you know, some sort of candy. They gave her this book and said like, yeah, look, you're going to be able to take this home to your friends. And then. I guess as they were about to send them back and the guy goes, oh, I need that book back. And she goes, wait, no, no, no. This is for me to give the people. And he goes, well, actually, that's the point. We don't want you to remember any of this. And so, again, it feels to me like a bait and switch type of thing. Come on in. Not going to hurt. And then here's your little book. Entertain yourself. Look at the pictures in the book. Look at the animals. Okay, I'm taking that back. You don't get any of the things that you were here for. It's just to lie to you during the procedure. Make you feel better. Oh, that's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awful. And it's awful on both accounts That's you know, we've got people, you know, saying, oh, you don't want to remember this. And then we've got the aliens saying, oh, you don't need to remember this. And both of them are going, but I kind of want to remember uh-huh. this. The hell? So I, the interesting thing that we did put in the notes was that they see a cigar shaped craft, but the drawings look very um, fine. Yeah. I don't understand that dis that, that like I, I saw that a lot, the the difference. One the first time it caught me, Pagan, was because they they I heard people saying well they described that they both agree it was a cigar shaped craft in their later like well, that's what they both came together on. This is I guess they drew them separately and came together with their images. Like, did this really happen? This is what I saw, this is what you saw. Mm-hmm. But then somehow, and maybe they mean cigar because like when I'm looking at this picture I have up on stream now. It's not like a flying saucer in a 3D way. It's like a very flat, straight, horizontal line looking flying saucer. If you kind of get what mm-hmm. I'm saying, like it's it would be as if you had a flying hockey puck in a way, right? It's a flat. Yeah, not yeah. multi-leveled. So maybe they meant like it looked like a cigar from left to right or something. I was just going to say that. I was like, maybe they're they're looking at it like directly head on from the side. And that's why they, it looks like a cigar. Not but I was going to say the, the interesting correlation mm-hmm. to that is if it actually was, quote unquote, cigar shaped, the correlation to that is the most recent case that was released from the U.S. government about the Tic Tac yeah. UFO was very, you know, little kind of tic tac kind of looking thing. So, you know, if it was similar in that way, I could see how, you know, the cigar shape would be interesting. Yes. I, I, I need more info. They need to tell I me more. I say we more. put a pin in it. Let's let us call this episode to close in the sense that we could dive into Agreed. this forever. Betty has a niece and I actually think I could listen to her talk forever, but admittedly, not the strongest public speaker. And so some people have a very hard time getting through her content, but she has done so much great research on this and continues the legacy. I'm sure some people write her off as kind of a crackpot because she's like really into it. But at the same time, Betty spent her entire life pursuant to this sort of cause. Barney dies at a younger age. He dies at the age of 46 in 1969. So he only made it about eight years after this case. Uh, happen. So that that's very unfortunate. Betty lived to 2004 because I was saying earlier, you know, I thought she had not passed too, too long ago. So she was she was alive less than 20 years ago and she died at 85 years old, kicking butt, telling the story. I guess my last concluding thing of this is to say she did emphasize, back to what we said earlier, she really emphasized that 
medical hypnosis is very different than just pure suggestion hypnosis. She actually spoke out a lot against people doing the the latter. She says in her case, you know, they were the first people to be abducted like this. So the idea of a doctor putting that suggestion into their mind, not likely. And the fact that this was a different degree of it. She claims that later on in life, she learned hypnosis and how to hypnotize people. And she talks about there's a stage where people can totally mess your mind up by suggesting those sort of thoughts. And she goes, like I said, to speak out against that whole thing going into the future. But yeah. Yeah, good fighter. absolutely. Good fighter doing a good fight. But yeah, good episode. And, you know, we're going to dive more into these kind of cases. I hope that chat likes them. I hope our listeners like this. But yeah, this was a great case. And I I'm, I wish we could know more. I, I'm still, I'm left with more questions than answers, unfortunately. Yes, I agree with that. So I say we will continue our investigation of New Hampshire. We're going to dive into cryptids and hauntings. Pagan and I will mm-hmm. chat off air how we want to kind of organize that. If we want to keep the is split the aliens up a little bit over New Hampshire, do them back to back, whatever we do, you know, kind of want to do there. But we'll figure out a way to get you guys the Exeter case because that is amazing too. So well documented. So Betty and Barneal, you guys, thank you for being so diligent about documenting that stuff. Like I said, Betty's whole life is pretty much cataloged at the University of New Hampshire. Dive deep into it. Mm-hmm. Many of your favorite podcasts are are doing it. Like we said last podcast on the left, and I'm quickly scouring my podcast player to call out Strange Arrivals, Pagan. Strange Arrivals is part of the yes. Lure Podcast Network. So the ones that it's called Grim and something is their their actual network name but like they do this amazing one some guys tying together both of these cases so you can listen to that supplementally to what we're doing yeah i'm really enjoying it so huge shout out to them huge shout out to all the podcast folks out there that have been kicking butt and making these stories for us so thank you thank you thank you absolutely pagan what do you say do you want to give them some links to things so they can find us Yes. So if you guys go to, I believe it's chaosandshadow.com. Yes, chaosandshadow.com. Yes, you will get access to the Patreon. You will get access to the Twitter. You will get access to all of the show notes on Patreon from Maine. You'll also get access to listening to the show on iTunes and Spotify and all of the other Google players and all that great stuff. So if you want all that great stuff, go to chaosandshadow.com. And we look forward to meeting all of you guys via iTunes, via Discord, via everywhere. We just want to meet everybody that comes and listens to the show. Yeah, huge shout out to Angie and the Prince of Nothing for subscribing on Patreon. Thank you so much. You guys, that's going to go a huge way to allowing us to expand our production budget, our research budget, getting us out there in the field after the apocalypse with all the COVID ends. We really want to go investigate places. So consider subscribing. It's also going to relate to higher quality audio versions of the show. So again, thank you to those that are subscribing on Patreon. If you want to find Pagan or I personally, you can find us in your podcast player show notes or on YouTube in the description. Mm-hmm. We have our link trees down there. So one click for both of us will take you wherever you want to go. Also, that's what the chaosandshadow.com is. That is a link tree. So you just head over there and boom, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, download links because we are Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Twitch, all the rest. Anywhere you want to find us, Chaos and Shadow. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Pagan, how do you feel? Good about other, this one? You want to wrap it I up? Think, I think I'm great about this. The only thing I want to tell everybody is make sure you guys get in there with that Discord. We want to hear your paranormal yes. stories. We want to hear your alien stories. We want to hear them all. Make sure you get in there. Get that Chaos and Shadow roll. And it will be a good time because we want to hear all your stories. We want to see your photos. Hear all that creepy stuff. Even submit some audio on Anchor. Yes, Anchor, I believe, will allow you to record audio to submit back to us. So we would love to hear your audio submissions. We'd love to hear all that. So get them in there, and we will talk to you guys very soon about lots more cool stuff. I cannot wait to dive into some of the other cases that we've got, you know, kind of shelved for future episodes and all that. Me too. Me too. So Patreon, everyone, go check that out. Lots of freebies for us this week. Go check out all the things Pagan and I just talked about there briefly. We love you. Thank you so much for listening and stay safe out there. Don't get your brains abducted too. And we'll catch you next week, 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv 
forward slash Kyle Dempster Studios every Thursday. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.